I think it's just a matter of pivoting. And you've seen businesses all across the country who have figured out how to manufacture what they were doing and turn it into what they're now doing. I spent a very little amount of time feeling sorry for myself and was like, okay, how am I going to use this time to my advantage? How am I going to use this time to my advantage? Caution. Listening to this podcast may motivate you to make positive changes in your life, identify ways to accelerate your career trajectory, and develop a path towards financial freedom. This is the Career Meets World podcast, and I'm your host, Edward Gorbis, and I've spent the last 10 years focused on helping thousands of people advance their career while in parallel teaching a secret recipe to reach financial independence. And I'm here to share the untold stories of successful people and teach thousands of listeners how to develop a growth mindset. Our minds are malleable and everyone has the power to change their mindset through perseverance, dedication, and a passion for learning. So if you're ready to skyrocket your business and financial literacy, turn up the volume and let's dive right in. This is the Career Meets World podcast. Today, we are spicing things up and chatting with one of my favorite high energy human beings. She's a positive force in this world and her name is Victoria Brown. Victoria is an Under Armour athlete, a soul cycle instructor, and a mindset coach in New York City. And before she clipped in at SoulCycle and ultimately climbed her way to the top, Victoria went through a variety of different setbacks. But instead of flailing in self-defeat, she celebrated her setbacks, strengthened her growth mindset, and persevered through adversity. And today, she shares her early journey of going to Los Angeles with the hopes of becoming a host how SoulCycle changed her life and transformed her, and why Under Armour ultimately selected her as an athlete ambassador. Victoria, welcome to the show. Good morning, good afternoon. It is so great to have you on today. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to, to be here and to, to catch up and have this conversation with you. So thanks for having me. Of course, such a pleasure. And I particularly was interested in connecting with you to really provide a different perspective to our audience and share your story through life, talk about what you're doing, talk about how you've grown to become who you are. You are an Under Armour athlete. You are an incredible soul cycle instructor. You're a mindset coach. There's so many different things that I wanna learn about what you've done in your life and how you've gotten there. And to really get us started, I want to understand a little bit about how you got to be so hyper-focused around mindset and what is it about your journey through life that sparked that movement for you? Um, it started for me at a very, very early age. Um, I've always been, I mean, now today I'm, I'm super fascinated with the way that the brain works, the way that the mind works, specifically uh, with athletes. That's like my biggest obsession is like what makes an athlete great, right? The greats, you know, the goats, the greatest, greatest of all time, you know, Tom Brady, Kobe Bryant, like what makes them like Serena Williams, what makes them different from everyone else? And why did they succeed? And why did they go further than anyone else? Right. And to me, it's not necessarily athletic ability. I think the difference is mind. So for me, it started at a super, super young age. Um, 
you know, we all deal with death in the family and loss and things that are hard and difficult. Um, so I guess with your first question, we'll just go pretty dive in pretty deep right here. Let's um, do it. Yeah. So I was uh, in third grade and uh, we lost my aunt in a plane crash and she was only 19 years old. So I went on my, my grandmother, um, I went with her on her healing process through her, her, her healing journey, if you will. And so when most kids were, you know, playing, you know, video games or what have you, like my grandmother was reading me instead of bedtime stories, it was Dr. Phil and Oprah. And the first book that we read together cover to cover was the power of positive thinking for young people. <laughs> I kid you not, I can't make this up. Um, so, you know, I learned a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about gratitude at a very young age. I was in third grade when this happened. Um, and so uh, I, I think at the time, I always say now, looking back on it, I had no idea how that would affect me later on in my life. And the way that my grandma spoke and the way that she went through her healing process, um, you know, I just, I felt like at the time, a lot of that was going in one ear and out the other, but clearly a lot of that uh, kind of stuck around and has stayed with me now. And so it's not, no surprise to me that so much of what I do in my life um, revolves around mindset because I was setting an important mindset from a very young age when people just aren't thinking about that. It's so interesting that when we're really young, there's micro moments that happen that we have no idea what's going on in that moment that have such a tremendous impact on us later down in right. our lives. And it sounds like your grandmother going through her personal healing process ended up having such a positive influence on who you are today. Right. After that happened, what did you think you wanted to do with your life or not necessarily right after you went through that healing process with your grandmother, but as you started growing up, we all have aspirations on what we want to do. What was your vision of what life was going to look like? Um, I remember when I was a kid, I was super obsessed with Katie Couric. I loved watching Katie Couric on the Today Show. And it was something about the way she, she interviewed people, the way she made people feel, the way that she you know, when she spoke to people, it felt like they just wanted to open up around her. And she was just like, so incredibly charismatic. And I just remember my mom getting ready for work in the morning and I would sit on her bed while she was getting ready. And I would watch, we would watch the Today Show together. And for some reason, just as like a, a little girl, I like super fell in love with her. And so I wanted to grow up and be just like her. So that my earliest memory of like what I wanted to be when I grew up was always, uh, a TV host and I wanted to be like Katie Couric. And so that changed and evolved as you know I got older. And so at a certain point I moved out to LA, lived there for five and a half years and I was pursuing hosting. And then I was like, oh, you know, I've always been an athlete all my life. You know, maybe I will, I was working at the front desk at SoulCycle. I was like, maybe I'll transition into working uh, as an instructor. And maybe I could make just a little bit, you know, I could elevate how much money I was bringing in you know, every month I would be making more money, but it would still be a flexible schedule. And so I could still go after the hosting thing. And then a funny thing happened because I wasn't one of those people that was like very obsessed with becoming a soul cycle instructor. Like there's a lot of those people and I was not one of them. I sort of decided on a whim the day of the audition. I was just like, Oh, maybe I'll try this, you know? And so I happened to get into the program, um, probably because I was working at the front desk at the time. And so I, I was pretty comfortable in the space. Um, and that probably had a lot to do with it, I would say. Um, cause I auditioned in the same studio that I worked at. 
So I went from the front desk and I walked a few feet into the studio and I was like, okay, I've been here a million times. I've ridden this podium a million times. I've been in this room a million times. I'm comfortable here. This is like my home. I've been working here for two years. So it was, it was an easy transition in that way. So I got into the program and I remember showing up to the training and I get to mic up every day. And it's essentially like I'm hosting a show every day, uh, sometimes multiple times a day. And so it was like something clicked inside of me that had nothing in my life had ever felt more right. Like I knew I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And it's funny because hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? And I look back and I'm like, I know that had I been in a traditional hosting role, I probably, it wouldn't have brought me joy in the same way because I don't know that that role allows you to help people or become the best part of someone's day or change the course of someone's day just by what you say. Um, and a lot of times you have to fake it in the hosting world and like, you know, do interviews you don't want to do or talk to people that where you don't necessarily feel engaged with their story. Um, and so, yeah. Definitely engaged with your story. I can assure you <laughs> of that. Uh, I often say, especially in the corporate world, if you're doing any sort of presentation, it's super important to spend time in that room, prepare in that room, be comfortable mm -hmm. in that setting. And that was clearly totally. the case for you. You, right. you had kind of absorbed everything that was going on through osmosis at SoulCycle, working at the front desk, and then realized, I need to take my life to that next step. You used a lot of your internal skill sets and... I've been talking a lot about this concept of alignment and making sure that we're aligned with what our true passions are, our ambitions, kind of our destiny mm -hmm. in life. And it seems like for you, you had connected the dots really quickly there. Yeah. And ultimately, I'm curious, just beyond that, you you hopped on the bike, literally. You mm -hmm. did this path, yeah. and now you have become an inspiration to so many different people. Um, you're fairly well known in the soul cycle community. And I'm just curious, what did taking that leap of faith into becoming a soul cycle instructor really do for you? And how did it empower you to take that next step in life? You know, I would say that the leap of faith, I can't speak from that moment and then what happened in front of it without going backwards. And so leading up to that point, um, I had been working I had two jobs, actually I had three jobs at a certain point in LA, I was juggling three jobs. Um, so I was a, working at a restaurant, a waitress at a, restu a restaurant. I was a shot girl at a nightclub. That did not last long because I cannot stay up late. I just physically cannot do it. Like I am <laughs> not a night owl. Um, so that did not last long, but I was a shot girl at a nightclub for a hot second. And then while also working at SoulCycle. So uh, as I said, the shot girl thing did not last long. Um, this is my early twenties. Um, and then, so I was juggling being a waitress and working at the front desk at SoulCycle. And I, this is a crazy story. I was fired from the waitressing job. So, you know, at the time it was like, I knew it was going to be the best worst thing that ever happened to me. Right. Because everything I feel like is right. When it feels like the world is crashing down on you and it feels like everything you knew is all of a sudden changing or you lost something that you really loved or something that was your identity. Um, it can be so difficult and so challenging and so scary, but you, you generally speaking, and it takes some time, but 
it's always the best thing that ever happens because it propels you into something better and something different. Um, and so I had been working at this specific restaurant for six and a half years. And they, this is to make a very long story short, they had, had implemented a new um, protocol. They have like secret shoppers that come in, right? And so someone, had, they had come in and in California, the labor laws are super strict. And so I had to leave to go, you have to, once you're there for six hours, you have to go on your break. So I leave the building completely for a half an hour. I'm not even in the building. And so if you had gotten a secret shopper and you scored below a certain percentage, you were immediately terminated. So I show up on a Saturday morning and they're like, hey, we have to talk to you. And they're like, here's your secret shop. You scored like a 50% or something like horrible, like abysmal. And I'm like, that's impossible. And I'm looking at it and I'm looking at it and I'm like, there's just no way this happened. And so I was actually able to prove through timestamps on a receipt that I wasn't even there. The person, they like have breakers who come in and watch your section. So I wasn't even there. I wasn't even in the building when it happened. So I was able to prove that, but I don't know, they weren't able to give me my job back because they'd already let me go. Anyways, so I was just at SoulCycle only. And it wasn't, I knew that I needed a transition. I was, you know, in my early 20s, moving to my mid 20s. And I knew that like the restaurant thing was not going to serve me long term. And so I knew that I had to make some kind of pivot, right? So when that happens, you just, it took me a while and it does. And I think that's the most frustrating thing for most people when they find themselves in that space in between where they are and where they want to be when they're not sure where they want to be right? That's the most frustrating space for so many, for everyone. It's so frustrating because you're so hard on yourself in that interim, right? And I would, I would say that it's also like the most beautiful place to be. And the best thing to do is to just not try and force it, but to just get really quiet with yourself and ask yourself, like, what are the things that actually bring me joy? What are the things that I'm really, really good at, like innately just good at? And so you start to like interview yourself really and get to know yourself better. Um, and so that's what I did in that time. And then it just made sense to me to like try that out because at the time I was just like, let me try on a bunch of different things. And what I talk to my clients about a lot is like, it's like trying on a sweatshirt, right? You got to find the one that fits perfect and like feels cozy and feels right. And, and, and usually when you find it, you know. It's a beautiful story and quite an inspiring one that triggers a lot of different and unique thoughts where oftentimes many people have gone through layoffs. It doesn't matter if it's from a restaurant job, a totally. corporate job. And so many people in America are experiencing that right now and all over the world. Exactly. And oftentimes we see the headlines, the statistics, there's 43 million people unemployed across the U.S. right now. Those numbers are ballooning in other countries as well. So it's important that we speak and acknowledge that as well. But as you mentioned, there's this interesting inflection moment that happens right when we get laid off. We go through every stage of grief. Oftentimes people kind of have to rely on either their family, their friends to figure out that next step in life. Who is really there to support you through that process as you figured out, I want to pursue kind of this next step in my journey. Obviously, there's a lot of noise in that moment and we're battling our own thoughts. As you mentioned, it's super, super critical to think through what we value and then mm -hmm. hit that next step and next stride in our lives. But who's there to really support you through that process? You know, I was thinking about my answer as you were asking that, who was there? Like, 
and I don't know that I have the most eloquent, beautiful response to that because there's, you know, people are the people I surround myself with. They're like, they're incredible cheerleaders and mentors and like, they're going to support whatever I go after. But at a certain point, like people, they, like you have to be in the knowing, right. You have to be in your own like space. And so I would argue that what I leaned on more than anything was getting closer to myself. Um, and so what that meant was, you know, riding a bicycle in a dark room where I don't talk to anybody. And I just like, internalize what I'm going through and what I'm needing and what I'm experiencing. And that process looks so different for everyone. And I can't stress that enough because you'll look at someone else's journey and say, okay, well then I should go to soul cycle and I should ride a bike in a quite in a dark room and I can figure it out. Like it might look different. It might look like quiet meditation. It might look like, you know, whoever you find, you know, your at home workout person that you're on zoom with or whatever, or it's like, maybe you need to go outside and play some basketball. Like it's going to look different for everyone, but I think it's really, really getting quiet and internalizing and becoming your own mentor because we like, everyone has that power within us. And so I would argue that the smartest thing to do when you feel like you find yourself in that in-between moment is not actually to rely on all of your friends and all of your family's opinions and instead don't ask them at all. So you don't necessarily need silence essentially. Yeah. Because so often as human beings, when things are uncomfortable, we head for the hills, we run as far away from the thing that is uncomfortable. So you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. You're trying to figure out what your next step is. And that feels uncomfortable. And so we want to do everything we can to like come out of that, like, you know, straight jacket and like break free of that uncomfortability. What really that is doing is just adding distraction all over the place. And we as human beings love to grasp on to anything that will distract us from the thing that's actually happening. So I cannot stress enough the importance of clearing out distractions finding focus, internalizing your own thought process, and really getting crystal clear about what it is that you actually want in your life and the things that will bring you joy and fulfillment in your life. And I think that is like the secret sauce. Instead of running away from the things that are uncomfortable, instead try and run right towards them. Absolutely. Introspection is something that took me a very, very long time to figure out. And we all have a different upbringing. I'll I'll be very blunt and honest. Some people have that family support that's very intimate. And that's what I had, especially being an only child. But there's a flip side where individuals grow up relying on their own internal energy to really propel them through life. And doesn't matter how you grow up. Ultimately, we have to align ourselves with what's in our core and then use that energy to, again, propel ourselves forward. So that's what you ultimately did. It sounds Mm -hmm. like that was the right course for you. And it's kind of ballooned into this beautiful journey beyond that. And it has enabled you to accomplish so much more. I don't want to lose focus on the fact that that was a very challenging moment in your life, but you overcame that. You have done so much. You moved on from LA um, and now you're in New York. 
you mm-hmm. are continuing that soul cycle journey. Obviously, it's been put a little bit on pause from a COVID perspective, but Oh no, I'm full speed ahead. Perfect. I'm on the virus platform. So we're 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 doing it. I'm shooting at home classes and I'm in people's living rooms. So I love that. How does that work right now? I'm just curious in terms of that transition that you've made from taking in-class workouts to at home and engaging with the audience. Um, it's everything that I've ever dreamt of and more. I had to I had to beg and plead to get on this platform. I did not, I knew this opportunity was coming and I did not sit back and just hope that they called me. No, I didn't do that. Um, there was an audition that took place um, probably, gosh, almost two years ago now. Um, and so this was for a pilot that they were shooting for the at-home bike. And I wanted to be a part of it so badly that I actually hired a professional videographer for my audition tape because I just wanted to be on this platform. And I did not get picked for the pilot. I did not get picked. And so I was so crushed. I was like, I just have to be a part of it. Um, And at the time I was living in Washington, DC. And so I went up to New York city and I like went to the corporate office and I had a meeting with people, had meetings with people. And I like, I literally begged to be on this platform um, because I knew that it was going to be, or at least I had hoped at the time. I didn't know what it would be, but I knew what, what I felt in my heart was that it was going to be this perfect storm of all the things that I did in LA when I was pursuing TV hosting and what I care about most, which is helping people and mindset coaching. And I had this dream that it was going to be this merge of the two things that I love most. And it, it feels like that. Um, I think there's a lot of soul cycle instructors who can relate in the sense that something happens when you're in that room, when you're teaching in studio, there's like just something happens and the experience and the energy and everything is heightened and like lifted. And there's quite a few instructors who are very motivational, um, inspirational human beings. And, you know, it's just like you, you stand up sometimes for 45 minute, minutes and it's like you, you give this like, this like motivational talk, but then it lives in that 45 minutes and then it's gone forever, right? And so I was just like, I want to reach more people and I want it to live on past that 45 minute mark and I want it to like be accessible to anyone everywhere. Um, and so luckily, you know, that's what this, this platform provides. And so I, uh, I made sure that I was on it. I actually want to double click on that partly because again, going through that will and that want to do something is again, the most important thing that we can do throughout our careers is to pursue whatever, we want to accomplish. And for you, it was getting on this platform so you can empower mm-hmm. even more people in a right. different yet similar setting, but you're able to reach a lot more people. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that internal drive comes from to really push and continue and persevere through initially getting a flat out no, despite putting in so much energy? What is it internally that really kicks in that next gear for Victoria to say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to pursue this? I think, again, I keep really going back to the same point is like, we all have this internal compass that exists within us. And so often we deflect to the outside for our answers instead of reflecting inward and asking ourselves, you know, what, 
what we want and what we feel and what we know. And so for me, it was just like listening to my gut. Like I knew without a shadow of doubt that I had to be on that platform. I knew it. And I believed in myself and I was willing to fight for that. Um, I don't, I don't know that I did anything specific to will it or turn it on because I, I mean, it's like any, anything, like I've always said this, that a dream will not exist within you. It just won't be there if it isn't meant for you. Why would it be there in the first place? Why would that dream exist within you? Why would you see that vision if it wasn't something that you could make happen, that it wasn't, if it wasn't for you? And so I truly believe that when I, if I can see it here in my mind, in my mind's eye, like, I don't like, it's not going to be one dimensional for me because dreams cannot be something that are one is, it's not one dimensional, right? It's got to become like something that you think about, then maybe you write it down, then you talk about it and then you do it. Like it has to exist in as, in as many different dimensions as it possibly, possibly can. So I think that's a trick to it too. I think there's a famous Robin Sharma quote that goes, everything is created twice, first in the mind and then in reality. Yeah. So that's what propelled you. That's what enabled you to become who you are. And it's so beautiful to watch it unfold. I feel like there's so much more for you to accomplish. And within that journey, you also had this breakout moment where you ultimately became a sponsored Under Armour athlete, which is often a dream for many athletes to land a sponsorship, to go through that process. Can you unravel what that journey was like for you, how it happened, and just share that whole experience? Yeah, of course. Um, I am such a huge fan of Under Armour, um, and especially because of the way that that process unfolded and how it happened, I think even more highly of them. Um, so yeah, I was teaching a soul cycle class and I had no idea. I was just teaching a regular class. And afterwards, uh, like three people came up to me and they're like, Hey, we're so-and-so blah, blah, blah with Under Armour. And I'm all, what? Like, what does that even mean? Like, what do you mean? Like, I didn't know they were there. Um, or scouting me or anything. I had no idea. Um, and so when it came time to like, you know, sign a contract, there's a lot obviously that happened in between that. I went for a campus tour, et cetera. But, you know, they, I found out later that the, you know, the woman that was there who was scouting me, she got there early. She was at the studio and I didn't know who she was. And apparently she was, you know, sitting on a bench in the front lobby and she was watching how I was just interacting in, you know, my workspace. And so as an instructor, you're not required to stand behind the front desk and help people, you know, hand riders their shoes and water and like help check them in or like answer phones. Like you're not required to do that. I would. And so I was, and I often do, I think probably for me, it's just something that feels natural and comfortable because I used to work on the front desk for so many years that like, if I'm, you know, walking by and I see that they're super busy or slammed, like I'll always just like answer the phones for them or like grab shoes for people or whatever. Um, and so she said, she noticed that I was doing all of those front desk tasks. Um, and that also I was, when riders came in the door, 
I greeted every single person by their first name. She was like, how does she know literally every single person's name? There's 60 people in this room. How does she know everyone's name? Um, and, and I do. And I, and not only do I know their names, I know their kids' names. I know they're like what they do for a living. I know like their whole entire like life story. Um, because I think community is like the, the backbone why the fitness industry like does well or why I would argue anything does well is, is the community and the culture. Um, and so those were the things that ultimately led them to the choice of wanting to sponsor me. Um, it wasn't because I had the best abs. It wasn't because I could do the most pull-ups. I can't do a pull-up by the way. <laughs> um, it wasn't, it wasn't any, it wasn't any of those things. It wasn't, it was, it was basically, it made me, they made me feel like they chose me because of what actually what's in my mind and the way that I treat people. Um, and so that was, the biggest thing. And when I, and when they told me that story, like, I was like, wow, like I want to go to bat for this company because they see me, they make me feel really, really incredibly seen. They like, you know, it's like a really hard thing with athletes, right? You know, a lot of companies and a lot of brands when they rep, let's say like, you know, somebody in the NBA, like they love you during basketball season, but what about the rest of the year? you know what I mean? Like, no, like as far from my standpoint, like Under Armour really is like a, a family and organization that like makes you feel seen and heard and like appreciated, uh, around the clock. So that's why I love them so much. And that was like a big, yeah, breakout moment for me. Um, and so you didn't ask me this question, but I'm going to answer it because people ask me all the time, <laughs> which is people ask me, how did it happen? And for a long time, I felt like my answer was, I, I don't know. I didn't do anything. Um, but I will say that it was a big dream and a big goal of mine to be wrecked by Adidas. That's what I wanted. That was like all I wanted. And so what I would do is buy all Adidas clothes. I only wore Adidas. And then I would, I worked anytime I was shooting content for Instagram I would wear only Adidas clothes. And in my mind's eye, I was showing Adidas. They were going to find me. I was sent, I had emailed them pitch decks. I had emailed them like photos and bios and all types of things with basically no response. Um, and then I remember everything I posted on Instagram was as if I, I pretended as if I were their influencer. So I just started acting as though I was already on their roster, right? To show them what I could do for them. And I guess it worked, but for a different brand. And you end up where you're supposed to be. Um, and I totally did, because now, I'm, I mean, I wouldn't, I would, if, you, if I could trade it for the world right now and say, oh, I can go with Adidas instead, like I would, I would absolutely hands down turn that down. I wouldn't go there, I wouldn't do that. Um, but you end up where you're supposed to be. And so I think it's like this idea of, acting as though you've already arrived in whatever it is that you want to accomplish in your life and whatever the goal is or the dream is like wake up and live as if you are already there you're already doing it and so that's what i was doing for so long to be hope hoping to be uh recognized you know seen by adidas and it worked just with a different brand and i'm glad you were it's very, very important to recognize that everything you've said over the last, call it 30 minutes, is mm -hmm. this consistent belief in yourself. You're fearless. You continuously pursue what you want to at your core. 
And that's what's mm-hmm. really inspiring. And that's the hope for our audience is to take away that doesn't matter where you are in your journey and your career. It doesn't matter what you want to pursue, whether it's a corporate route, the entrepreneurial route, if you want to be a soul cycle instructor, an athlete, there are so many things that we can accomplish, but it has to come from within. And you were unapologetically yourself the entire time. <laughs> and you constantly pursued what you wanted. And it's funny that you wanted to be sponsored by Adidas. You did everything you could under the sun to accomplish that. But then somebody else took notice. Mm-hmm. And there's a million analogies that we can draw out of that. But what I love about that story is that you had mentioned you were sitting at the front desk at SoulCycle, just kind of minding your own business, doing your day-to-day work, mm-hmm. maybe doing some of the things that weren't asked of you. And that's what was genuinely appreciated by the yeah. Under Armour reps And it's so, so important, again, I'll hammer on this, whether you are in that corporate setting or not, is that people do take notice of the small things you do when nobody is watching. Totally. And I've even heard the story where there have been CEOs that have sat at the front desk of larger companies just to see how candidates greet the front desk person, not knowing that it's the CEO. And that can make your interview. So Treat people with respect, treat people with dignity, and good things will come to you. Obviously, totally. there's an immense amount of hard work. Um, but as you joined Under Armour and joined that family, once they welcomed you with open arms, what did you discover? What did you discover about their culture, how they look at the world as an organization, how they treat those athletes during the offseason? What were some of your biggest takeaways? My biggest takeaway across the board working with them is that they take bets, I feel like, more than anybody else. I mean, they're, you know, they are, you could say, the underdog in a sense, right? Because these other brands, not to say that they aren't as good, because I think they're probably better, in my personal humble opinion, a non-biased opinion. Um, But the other brands have always just been around for many, many years longer, right? Um, But I think what they do so incredibly well is they bet on people before they hit. Um, so there's just so many of their athletes, you know, we have this like athlete summit that we go to, um, once a year. And so this year they do, uh, interviews on stage, um, with their, with athletes all the time. And so we get to sit on these interviews and it's like, yeah, Under Armour signed me before I was anybody before I did this, before I did this, before I did this over and over again, the story was the same with all, all these big time athletes. I mean, Steph Curry, you know, um, and so that with the in the golf division, it was just across the board. It was crazy. And so it's like they have this uncanny ability, I believe, to see talent before talent has actually like hatched or hit its peak. And then I feel like they just like win. It's like then the athlete goes on to like you know do this or win this or accomplish this, and it's like they hit seven seven seven. And it's like, I, they have this uncanny ability for, for recognizing talent. And so because I've seen that in so many of their like bigger time athletes, it makes me want to bet on myself even harder. Cause I'm like, well, what did they see in me? What am I going to, I want to be the athlete that hits for them. I want to be the one who hits seven, 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 the one who's like, you know, I'm working on writing a book and that's like the hardest thing I've ever tried to do in my literal entire life. Um, but like, you know, it's like maybe the book comes out and it's a New York Times bestseller and then like that blows up. Like that's 
that's the dream, right? That's the dream. Um, and so if that happens, like, it's like, then I'm, you know, part, it's like, I'm the underdog who made it, you know, I didn't have like a hundred thousand followers or a you know, million followers when they signed me, like, you know, and I remember walking down the hallway for my campus tour and we were on our way um, to a meeting room and they were telling me like, the the importance that they place on micro influencers and i think at the time i had like oh gosh i think i had just crossed over the 20k mark i want to say maybe i was at like 25k i'm just making this up because i really don't remember and um you know they were saying like they they really like think that there's a lot more power in a micro influencer and how you talk to your communities and how people feel like they actually like have access to you versus someone who has like a million trillion followers um so they weren't going out and trying to sign the people who've already hit. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like they, you know, and so uh, who already had a big name for name for themselves and across the board, like when I look at all of the other women who are on the team with me, like I see so much like potential in every single one of them, like they're already stars. Um, but I just, see that there's like this nether level that they can they're all going to hit and like it just, I can see it across the board and everyone they've chosen and so it, I don't know I just feel like I'm in really lucky like I'm, I'm in good company I don't know if that answers your question I also love how they fight for uh women in sport and the way that they shine such a gorgeous light on on female athletes too so I was just gonna say that that I look at them as a community especially within the brand world that they definitely value empowering women and such a critical component mm -hmm. of what we need to do going forward. I'm going to consistently right. hammer home on that statement because women athletes have done so much for the world and it's only a rising tide right now in so many different industry or in so many different sports. Mm -hmm. And I love to see that they're empowering women through that journey. And obviously you get to join, as you mentioned earlier, this beautiful community of humans that mm -hmm. are probably seen as underdogs and now have accomplished so much. Um, growing up in the Bay Area, I was a diehard Warriors fan, obviously still am. Mm -hmm. Watched them play through a lot of crappy seasons, but when Steph Curry was signed, he wasn't signed by the Warriors, not even by Under Armour. People had no idea who he was. They didn't really care about him. He was a scrawny kid from Davidson. Right. Mm -hmm. But if we tie everything we're talking about back together, he had that same mindset that maybe mm -hmm. his grandmother or his parent instilled in them that it's all about perseverance and hard work. And that's what he did all the time, especially when he had ankle problems and then Under yeah. Armour signed him, right? He deeply believed that they were going to wrap their hands around him. And it seems like they did the exact same thing for you. Mm -hmm. So. I'm not one to two brands, but I definitely respect and value what Under Armour is doing. Mm -hmm. It seems like they're constantly signing these great athletes. Just more of a fun question. Who are some of the like more inspiring athletes that you've been privileged to meet through this process in joining Under Armour? Um, well, I guess I would say two of my favorites. Uh, I, I mean, my favorite like athlete of all time, both of them, uh, Ray Lewis and um, Michael Phelps. Those are like my favorite athletes of all time. I still haven't met Ray Lewis in person. I might like cry <laughs> when that happens because it will. Um, I'm a huge, huge, huge Ray Lewis fan. Um, his book is incredible. Um, I, I, I just, I can't, I can't wait to meet him. I haven't met him. Um, I met Lindsey Vaughn at the, uh, um, 
the summit that we had in January and she was awesome um, and got to hear more about her story. Um, watching her was it HBO series was pretty um, epic as well. So she's just an athlete who pushes and works really hard. Um, and then of course, Michael Phelps. Uh, I met him once because I like was at a Super Bowl one time and I like ran into him and took a picture with him because I'm a big fan. He's a Maryland guy. I'm a Maryland girl, you know, so I'm like, ah, I love another Marylander. Um, obviously, and what the greatest Olympian like of all time, of course. Um, so yeah, those are those are my faves right there. Haven't met The Rock yet, so there's a lot <laughs> of people on the team I still haven't met, but uh, yeah. It's such a dynamic community. I'm glad you got to meet so many inspiring people, yeah. and I do want to acknowledge that as a let's shift gears a little bit, but as a kind of finance forward podcast, if we rewind your whole journey. And think about it through the financial lens, because obviously, especially nowadays, people are thinking through finances more than anything. Obviously, Michael helped, Michael Phelps would obviously talk about mental health. Uh, I think it's very much important to talk about our personal finances and how we think about that and that it's definitely not a linear journey for most people. It's totally very dynamic in many different ways, especially if you've gone through layoffs or some sort of difficulty through that process in, again, any type of work setting. But I'm curious to hear what your own personal relationship is like with finances, to the extent that you want to disclose it, how you think about it, what were some of those turning moments, and how did it evolve ultimately? Um, so when it comes to finances, I definitely have that abundance mindset. I always believe that I will always have enough that somehow, some way I'll figure it out. Um, so let's see, rewind to, uh, the, I guess the beginning of my adulthood, if you will. Um, so after college, I, you know, moved home, uh, for a couple of years, maybe two years, I think it was, and I was working in in the restaurant industries for two years, I think it was. And I saved up, like, I think it was, I want to say the goal was $20,000 exactly. It was like the goal. And so to move out to the West coast. And I think I ended up with close to like 25 K, um, that I saved like every single penny, you know, living at my parents' house and saved every penny working, you know, as many days a week as I could picking up as many double shifts as I could, um, in the restaurant. So, um, my parents did not help me whatsoever. Um, I moved myself completely on my own out to LA. My dad did buy me a TV. So that, that was one, the one contribution I got, I did that I did not do on my own. My dad bought me a TV. <laughs> um, so I got, uh, an apartment. I got a tiny little studio in LA and I had all my suitcases. I have the photographs somewhere. And then uh, like, there was a mattress on the floor. And then like, I completely had to, you know, build it from nothing Right. And so I went out, found a you know, job there and, you know, figured it out. So I at a certain point when I decided to do the soul cycle route, um, as you know, I had been uh, fired from the previous restaurant job. Right. And then working at the front desk at SoulCycle in West Hollywood was that job was a hobby. I did that because I got to ride in the classes for free and everyone at the front desk was such a hoot. Like it was so fun. Um, a lot of people know Heather McMahon. Uh, she's a pretty famous like online comedian. So we worked at the front desk together and like, that's how we became friends. Um, so like, I mean, like actors, comedians, like it was just such, it was so much fun, uh, working there. And so, but it didn't pay the bills. That's for damn sure. It did not pay the bills. <laughs> um, 
so I didn't even make an, I made so little there that when I got fired from the restaurant job, I could still collect unemployment. Um, and so I did that. And then when I got into the soul cycle training program, one of the reasons that I decided to do it was because they were doing their first ever shortened training program in LA. So it was only going to be three weeks. And before, prior to that, it was always done in New York city. So I did the, the shortened program. It was only three weeks. And at the end of the training program, they said, uh, which yes, the training was three weeks, but then you have to do community rides afterwards where you like do rides for the, yeah. And they like judge you or whatever. So this process ended up stretching out for like two months. And so this whole two month period, I'm not, you're not allowed to work at the front desk anymore. So I'm making no income really. They pay you for the training, but it's not like two days, two hours a day or something is like $9 an hour or something ridiculous at the time. So this is a long story. <laughs> so at the time, I'm just draining my savings at the time. And so at this point, they said to me, you can get on the, the schedule and start teaching classes. We'll give you two to three classes a week. And based on feedback, we'll give you more because they didn't think that I was ready after the three weeks. They were like, we'll let you go teach, but we don't know how you're going to do because we don't think based on your performance that you're ready. And so they said, the other option is you can go to New York for two months and do the training a second time. So I'm like, so you, you, I'm allowed to go teach if I want to, but it sounds like they're not really like that confident about my ability or I can go redo, tra redo training. So they gave this option to four people in my program. I'm the only one who chose it. I said, I wanted them to be jazzed. I wanted them to be pumped on me. Like, so I was like, you know what? I'll do it. So I went out to New York. At this point, I'm paying rent in New York City and Los Angeles at the same time whilst making no income. So when you might be the only person on the planet who had chosen to do that. Yeah, I probably the only person on planet Earth who would choose to do something like that. Um, so in New York, I shared a studio with another girl who was in the training program. So the rent wasn't like too crazy high, but it certainly wasn't cheap. Um, and we shared the studio. We had like this is the whole you could put your both arms out and like touch either side of the wall. And that was the whole thing. You know, uh, they had like one of those beds that came out of the wall and I've always been a saver. So I had quite a, a bit of money that was saved up before this started. But then, you know, you do a two month training and that took two months in LA. And then there was some, some time here in between. And then you I had before the training started in New York. And then I went to New York for two months. So I remember getting back and I had blown through all of my savings. And I remember getting back and I was like, okay, I taught my first week of classes, but I hadn't gotten a paycheck yet. And I pulled over into the parking lot of Chipotle and I was going to get lunch. And I thought to myself, you know what? I better check my bank account before I go in there. I had $52 in there. That was it. $52. And I was like, well, I guess it's tuna fish today. So I put the car in reverse and I went back home and I ate a can of tuna fish for lunch and waited for my you know, first check to come in. And then I built it everything up from there. But I think as far as finances go to answer very long windedly uh, and tell a story at the same time, um, I am just a big believer in betting on myself. And so that I'll always have enough and it will work out. And so, you know, I've spent money on training programs when I felt like I couldn't afford it, or I've spent money on things, whatever it was to invest in myself um, always. And 
I feel like when you're willing to invest in yourself, it comes back tenfold. Always, it comes back tenfold. And so that's been my that's been my belief, and it's also been my experience. So even when I was down and out, because that happens, you know, sometimes to everybody, I think uh, most people anyway. Uh, even when you find yourself down and out, you can you just figure it out, right? And nobody said it was it was going to be easy. But you either you have a choice in that moment always, you know, to just stay there in that place and feel sorry for yourself or strap on your boots, roll up your sleeves and figure your shit out. Relentless. That's that's the word that comes to mind to me right now from fifty two dollars to sponsorships to building up a business now for yourself to what I will hopefully proclaim to be a future New York Times bestseller. I'm excited (laughs) to read this book when it comes out. So we're back to fast forwarding to today. You're yeah. you're in a good spot. Hopefully you have more mm-hmm. than $52 in your bank account. But obviously as we all grow up and we think about finances a little bit differently, and again, I'm sure plenty of people in your classes are corporate professionals who think about finances in a lot of different ways. Let's kind mm-hmm. of unearth what your relationship with that world is now. How do you think about it? How do you look at kind of investments or I'm assuming you're betting on yourself still, but beyond that, what else are you betting on this world to really set yourself up for success down the road? Yeah, just building an online business. And what that looks like for me is, you know, I it's my experience, right? This quarantine situation, the pandemic, what we're going through as, as a human race right now. This is my personal experience. And I, I definitely want to say that up front because Um, It's a touchy subject and not everyone has a similar experience. Um, But as far as my mindset goes towards what's going on in the world, and I say it's different for everyone because some people are experiencing something that is just like I can't even fathom, right? And it's a hard time for a lot of people. Um, But to me, it was immediately when the whole world changed. It was Darwinism immediately. It's survival of the fittest, survival of the fittest. And to me, the example, what the fittest means is those who pivot, those who shift, those who are like, this is what's been working and it's no longer working. So what are we going to do now? And the, the space that you spend feeling sorry for yourself is always the thing that holds you back. Because whether you have $52 in your bank account or you've got 10 screaming kids at home because they are not at school or you lost your job or, you know, the horrible things that are happening in the world, like this space that we spend feeling sorry for ourselves is like, that's the most detrimental time to our success and our growth and where we go and the next chapter and the next step and the evolution and transformation and all of it. So it's like, take the time definitely spend some time in this space feeling sorry for yourself by all means, because you deserve that. If you want to cry about it a little bit, like definitely do that. Male, female, whoever you are, old, young, like fine. Permission absolutely granted for that. It's important to heal and to grieve, right? If you're experiencing that. Um, But just don't stay there too long, right? And so I think it's just a matter of pivoting. And you've seen businesses all across the country who have figured out how to manufacture what they were doing and turn it into what they're now doing. I spent a very little amount of time feeling sorry for myself and was like, okay, how am I going to use this time to my advantage? 
how am I going to use this time to my advantage? And so I got my life coach certification in 2017, but I never had the time to do something with that. Uh, so fortunately, like that's what I did. I was like, okay, I'm finally going to like outlay, like lay out everything, all of my practices, my principles, my life hacks, everything that I, I do, my goal setting, how I get from point A to point B. And I'm going to turn that into a three month, 90 day program. And I'm going to share that with people. I'm going to finally like package it all up and put a pretty bow on top, even though it's not always pretty because it, it shouldn't be, um, it's life. Uh, and then I'm going to share that with people. And so, um, I, I launched the very best self project and, uh, we are coming into our final week next week of my first ever life coaching program, um, that I did with, uh, 12 girls and, it was a, in my eyes, I think, you know, a huge success and I'm getting ready to launch my second program mid August, uh, to end of August. And so, uh, I'll do the same thing again. And so I get to share more of what it is that I love around mindset, uh, with people who want to, you know, take that journey with me. So that's how I've pivoted, uh, financially. And what I think the future of that is, is how can you take your expertise and share it with other people and, bring it online. Congrats on launching that business. First of all, it Thank is you. not easy. Uh, and I'm glad nor surprised to hear that it's such a success. You constantly bet on yourself. You constantly look at ways to improve yourself. And that's the magic of how you've been able to be so successful. And I think that's to me, at least personally, and hopefully for a lot of the listeners, that's the biggest takeaway is bet on yourself, I love the fact that you brought up Darwinism because life will always be about survival of the fittest mm -hmm. and how you broke that down is really important. And it's all about recognizing what's in front of you, thinking about what tools, what knowledge, what connections, everything that you have, but especially that drive within you to persevere, to overcome, to go through that grieving process as quickly as possible and then rebound and come out even better. And that's what you're doing now. So for people who are interested in your program, how do they learn about it? How do they find out more? Um, they can go to my Instagram, uh, which is at Victoria Brown. Um, and then the link in my bio will have the uh, application or it'll tell you more page about all of the things and what it entails. Um, yeah, and so that's gonna be launching pretty soon. So anyone who is interested can uh, fill that out and then it should be starting the second program beginning of September. Awesome. So super pumped about that. Uh, it's definitely exciting. We'll make sure everyone has all the links and access to your Instagram. That way they can connect with you. And taking all this harnessed energy right now, I do wanna shift this over to our final set of questions and put Great. you on our hot seat. Uh, a literal hot seat for a soul cycle instructor. So are you ready, Victoria? I am ready. Love it. So as always, I tailor these questions specifically for the individual uh, and want to make sure that we keep them fun and engaging. So I have three for you today. Okay. So if you imagine that soul cycle was in every single country on the planet, mm -hmm. where would you, which country would you want to go to right now? to teach a class and why would you go to that specific country? I mean, my favorite place is Bali. So I guess I'll say Bali. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the land of the yogis, but it's Perfect. just so stunningly beautiful there. So I would, I would take soul cycle to Bali. <laughs> Love it. Uh, that's the next stop for soul cycle. So 
Next question. Given that you wanted to be a part of the Adidas family, I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you kind of a polarizing question, but who's a better athlete in your mind or who do you love the most? Kobe Bryant or Steph Curry? I got to go Kobe. Okay. All day. Rest in peace, Kobe. Uh, both incredible athletes. Yeah. So one final one, as a life coach, as somebody who really practices to improve their mindset, what is your personal mantra when you wake up in the morning to make sure that you align yourself with the day and are able to consistently stay focused and align with your personal beliefs? Right now it changes all the time right now. My, my mantra, and I wrote it down yesterday because I try and choose a mantra every day. And my biggest underlying thing above everything that I do right now is I am because I did. So everything I am right now is because of everything that I've done, the action steps that I took, right. Or you can say, um, everything that I did up until this point, right? All like the moments when you're slugging through the to-do list that you don't want to do, or you find yourself distracted and you have to bring yourself back, right? To getting your task done and moving forward and taking the next step in whatever it is that you want to do. And it's hard to do, right? But I am because I did. So if I don't continue to do, to stay in the doing, to stay in the action space, then I will not continue to be what I want to be or move forward towards that. It makes a lot of sense in my head. I hope that makes sense to you. (laughs) It certainly does. Uh, Such a powerful reminder as well. Uh, You survived the hot seat, no surprise. Very, (laughs) very quick one today. Uh, Victoria, thank you so much for spending time with us today. You have an inspiring journey from just your grandmother to everything that you've accomplished today. There are so many useful things to extract from that and kind of propel into our own lives, but also remember that everything comes from within. We have it within us to be the best version of ourselves. So continue doing great things. I wish you the best of luck with the book, with everything that you're continuing to build with Under Armour and Soul Cycle. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a great conversation. I appreciate it. Hey, Thanks so much for listening to the Career Meets World podcast. I would love to get to meet you. There are a couple of ways we can connect. You know I love my LinkedIn. Simply search for Career Meets World or Edward Gorbis and feel free to connect. Second is via Instagram at Career Meets World. And third is through our website. I have a special spot for you full of fun, free resources. All you have to do is go to careermeetsworld.com Subscribe to our newsletter and we'll provide you the free resources to help you boost your career and reach financial freedom. And if this podcast was helpful to you in any way, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. This helps us help more people. Simply tap the rate with five stars and leave a sentence with what you liked about the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, strengthening your growth mindset is your ticket to success. I'm Edward Gorbis, and we'll catch you on next week's episode.